This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to Episode 74 of the Catholic Foodie, a special interview with the Immaculate Ilibegiza. Welcome to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and we have a very exciting episode today. Lots of things going on, actually. Uh, we have that interview I just mentioned, an interview with Immaculate, and if you haven't heard of her, she is uh, she's a young lady who survived the Rwandan genocide and uh, who is now dedicating her life to uh, spreading the word of uh, the apparitions of Our Lady of Cabejo. Uh, that, that's uh, Mary appeared in Cabejo uh, in Rwanda and had predicted the genocide. So we'll talk more about that and we have other great stuff coming up too here at the Catholic Foodie where food meets faith. not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Hi, Jeff. My name is Andy, and I'm calling you from uh, Spain. I'm actually from the U.S., um, and I moved to Spain after doing the walk of, um, you know, the way of St. James up here. And I think that um, you would be interested in uh, in this one. After five Caminos up here, you know, 800 kilometers, um, you know, trekking from the uh, French Pyrenees all the way to Santiago de Compostela, where the um, relics of the Apostle James are, um, I decided to move up here and go into the wine business uh, in La Rioja, of all places. And one of the things that we do with the sales, um, part of the profits of our of our wine sales, they go to support um, uh, albergues or hostels for pilgrims that are run by monasteries, um, parishes, uh, nunneries, and um, I. I think it might it might be um, a lot of fun, you know, get to get to talk to you. I'm going to drop you an email, um, and I'll call you and stuff up again. Uh, this I'm is this is absolutely incredible. <laughs> I'm going to stop that right there because Sandy gave me her contact information, and I was so excited to uh, to get this this message from her. Uh, she is in Spain. Uh, Santiago de Compostela is uh, up there in northern Spain. And I, I, wow, I mean, I, I really didn't know what to say when I first got this. It's exciting. Uh, first of all, someone in Spain who is calling me. And secondly, she runs a winery. Can you believe that? It just so happens that as the Catholic foodie, I like wine. Can you, what a coincidence. It's just amazing. Uh, anyway, uh, Sandy and I have spoken since then, and we are going to have her on the show. It's an amazing story. She... Uh, she made the Camino, the, 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 the journey, the pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela uh, five times, I believe, and then ended up uh, meeting someone there on the, uh, on the Camino. And I don't know which trip it was. Uh, could have been her first. I don't know. Uh, and ended up getting married. They, the, the two of them uh, ended up getting married at some point, and she decided to move back from the States to move to Spain and somehow or another acquired this winery. I'm just 
flabbergasted. I'm, I'm amazed. And when I contacted her, I said, Sandy, look, first of all, I have to tell you, I'm jealous, okay? <laughs> and secondly, I've got all these questions for you. And the last one's going to be, hey, can I come move to Spain and work for you? <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. That would be way fun. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, Sandy, for sending that feedback. Matter of fact, Sandy also posted a video on Facebook, and uh, she tagged me and Father Roderick in this video, and it, it's, it's uh, what, what's happening on her side of the world, and uh, she, she wrote this as a caption to the, uh, to the video. It says, this is a short video with a Dutch hospitalero, which is, I guess, a guy who helps out on the uh, with with the hospices for the pilgrims traveling the Camino uh, from the friends of the Camino de Santiago in Holland. Okay, now this is in Holland. Uh, sending a message to everyone in Holland, Father Roderick and Jeff and the Catholic Foodie, have a wonderful day. And here is this video. Go. Of Nigel's Camino cooking Yes. Joseph Major. Joseph Major. Uit Waren, in uh, dichtbij Amsterdam. En uh, ik werk hier drie weken als hospitalero. Elk jaar uh, kom ik hier terug. Want uh, hospitalero zijn, dat is een, uh, een fantastische job. Je ontmoet mensen van, van de hele wereld. En ik, uh, ik groet uh, vader Roderick uh, vanuit Ronses Laudius. Um, there you go, Father Rod. More? Yeah, so Father, Father Roderick was saying this I, I is what is happening. That, that, um, he's and, working uh, here as an hospitalero, and, and being and, an hospitalero is fantastic because you get to meet people from all over the world. And uh, in the morning, I sing Laudate Dominum para uh, desper to wake up the, the pilgrims. All right. all right. And I made the Camino on bike. Uh, 13 years ago with my son and since that time I'm in love with Spain and I'm studying Spanish uh, every year in Salamanca several uh, weeks and uh, in Holland I am uh, continuing my study uh, and uh, at the moment and at the moment, I'm a French teacher, and it's uh, a little bit uh, easy. Um, I'm very pleased uh, to see uh, a wedded couple who met on the Camino. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people, though, I think. Yes, there are a lot of people that have met on the Camino and have actually gotten married. And so, Father Roderick and Jeff of the Catholic Foodie, this is what is happening on our side of the world. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. This is a, uh, a video, as I mentioned, on Facebook, and I will post that on the Facebook page of The Catholic Foodie. If you are not uh, familiar with that page, you can go over to Facebook. If you're already on it, just go search for uh, Catholic Foodie, and it should pop up. You can go ahead and like that page. It's not a group where you join, but it's uh, this new thing Facebook has. It's something you can like. And uh, you can do that if you like. <laughs> I hope to see you over there on Facebook, and I will post that video. Uh, I'll post the video there. Hey, Jeff. It's Chris from Connecticut. Just wanted to give you a call. I just finished listening to the episode in regards to grilling confessions. 
Um, and I had a couple of things to talk about, so I'm going to try to do them very quickly. Um, my grilling confession is that uh, my friends and I, during our kind of engagement grilling barbecue thing that we did uh, before Tanya and I got married, uh, we had to get together with some friends, and I couldn't get the charcoal lit in the grill. I tried everything. I tried probably, uh, I don't want to say half a gallon of lighter fluid, but I didn't know how to stand up the charcoal briquettes and make the little pyramid. I had completely forgotten how to do that. Um, the coolest grilling experience, minus the grill, is actually something we did in Boy Scouts every November. We would set up a tripod of, uh, like, tomato plant steaks, like the big metal green ones, and those had chicken wire around them that made little tubes. And what you did is you put the charcoal in the tubes, light the charcoal from the bottom of those tubes, because they had a little mesh on the bottom, and suspend a turkey in the middle of that tripod. And what would happen is, throughout the day, it took about six hours or eight hours, but that charcoal would cook the turkey. So you would have a charcoal cooked turkey. Absolutely amazing. Um, and I do have a question. Do you prefer charcoal or gas? All right. God bless. Bye. Wow. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm, I'm, uh, first of all, I can totally relate to your, your problem there, not getting the charcoal lit. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, I, I did put a post up over at catholicfoodie.com about my grilling confessions and the fact that I burn up my grill. I burn up several grills. It's really sad. Um, I've never had a problem lighting the charcoal. Well, I take that back. I have had one issue where uh, I did have a hard time, but what had happened is the charcoal bag had gotten wet and you know, it had rained and the, it was not in the rain. It was outside of that area, but it, it apparently had gotten damp, and so the charcoal was damp, and it just took a lot to get it uh, to get it to go, to get it caught on fire. So anyway, finally got it going, and you know, every time I think about charcoal and getting charcoal to light, I can't help I can't help but think about this little tool my dad had when I was a kid. It's an electric charcoal starter. And it's just this wire that I mean that you plug in you plug in the uh, you, you plug in the plug into the outlet and there's a handle but on top of the handle you have this I don't know what kind of metal it is whether it's like copper or something it's some kind of metal that it's a heating element and it heats up you stick it under the charcoal or in the charcoal and apparently I mean it gets hot enough to where it lights the charcoal it's pretty amazing. But I have this just this memory, or several memories, just embedded in my brain of this charcoal starter, this electric charcoal starter, when I was a kid. Because when it was when it was hot, when it was on and it was hot, it would glow orange. And it was just this beautiful color orange. And every time I think about charcoal or I think about grilling with charcoal, I can't help but think about that electric starter. Matter of fact, uh, my latest grill, which is a few years old now, probably five years old, I think, uh, I kind of burn it up a couple of times. <laughs> and it's a, it's a propane tank, it's a gas tank, but uh, what, what's happened is the insides, and maybe it's just because it's five years old, but the tubing, the burners that 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 uh, that span the the base, the bottom of the, 
I don't even know what you call it, right? The pit itself. It's the burners that where the gas comes out, the fire comes out. Uh, those things are deteriorating. The um, There's another ter- diffuser. Maybe it's a diffuser. They sit, it was this uh, tent, kind of like a metal tent that sat over the burners that helped to evenly dis- diffuse the heat uh, and also acted as a, a drip guard so that the drippings from the, the meat that you were cooking would not fall on the, the burner, the tubes. Uh, so anyway, both of those things are deteriorating, and it's not cheap to replace. I mean, they, those things are, are kind of expensive, uh, like $15 per piece. So you're talking about, I've got four burners, I've got four of these tents, these guards. So 15 times four is what, 60? Twice over, it's 120 bucks. Uh, but I was out at the store yesterday and I found what I think would be a totally a better deal and will end up in the long run being 80 bucks to uh, to replace all my innards of my grill. And what it, it's it's heavy duty stuff. It's it's porcelain, it's it's heavy duty. Um, and the the trick is I bought this just by eyeballing it. I thought, hey, this will fit, this will work, this will replace what I've got. Um, but I don't know for a fact. So I bought this stuff yesterday. I just bought two of them, figuring I'd, I'd try to change two of the burners. And if this works, hallelujah, this would be great. If it doesn't, well, just back to the drawing board. <laughs> I told Char yesterday, I said, hey, you know, we might just want to think about getting a new grill because it's, you know, going to be expensive to replace these parts. Anyway, so uh, I love your turkey uh, story. That's an amazing thing. Uh, matter of fact, this past weekend, and I'm not going to get into this uh, too much because I really wanted Char to be here to talk to you about the Greek Fest. You know, last weekend we were at the Greek Fest. We do it every year. We love it. And of course, if you're on Twitter and you see my tweets, uh, you know I was tweeting live from the Greek Fest. We were there Friday night and all day Saturday and Saturday night, and we had so much fun. But Saturday, I had a treat just something I had thought about the last couple of years and, and never had a chance to do it. And I finally got to do it and I was so excited. And that is, I got to assist uh, the guys who were working, uh, like cooking the lamb, like roasting uh, lambs, whole lambs on a, uh, on a spit. And they had four spits going at a time, right? Big, uh, big uh, area, big spit with uh, charcoal, of course, charcoal underneath. And four of those going at a time, and what they had to do is take the lamb, and it had been cut open, of course. It's skinned, and it's cut open, and it's decapitated. I hope you don't mind me talking about meat like this. <laughs> but uh, what they do is they have to cut the cavity from the abdomen area all the way up to the neck. So the whole thing is cut open on the bottom part, right, the underbelly. And what to, in order to put it on the spit, they actually have to uh, put these uh, these plates, one on the, the top and the, the bottom of the backbone, and actually screw it, use bolts to, to bolt it into place so that when they put it on the spit, it'll actually spin instead of sitting in one spot while the metal pole spins, right? It, it actually has to spin. It's got, they have to have a, uh, these bolts in there. Anyway... Uh, so they had already done that part, and then the, the last thing they do is they, they sew up the, the the underbelly of the lamb. They take this string, this, I don't know, twine, some, some kind of heavy-duty stuff, 
And this needle that is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this in my life. You talk about a serious needle. Anyway, you, um, uh, anyway, they, they take this needle. I've never seen anything like it in my life. They take the needle or you, you're supposed to take the needle and I'm having a little microphone trouble here. I'm sorry about that, folks. And you, uh, you just thread it through and you sew it up. And that was my job. I, I offered to help them out. I said, you know, really, I've been watching you guys for the last couple of years do this. I want to help out. I want to be in the kitchen. That's what I like to do. And uh, anyway, I can come over and help you guys sew up a lamb. So I got to go in and do that. Char took some video of that very exciting moment for me, believe it or not. You may be sitting there thinking, this dude is crazy. <laughs> he's he's talking about sewing up a lamb. Uh, but I have to tell you, I mean, in the kitchen, even though we were outside, I mean, that I love to do it. So I got to sew up this lamb and it was exciting. I enjoyed it. We had a good time, and uh, the lamb went on the spit. And kind of like that turkey, Chris, the lamb has to roast on that open fire under over charcoal for four to six hours, depending on the size of the lamb. So we didn't get to partake of the one that I did because, well, it wasn't going to be done until way, way late in the night, and... Uh, we wanted to go ahead and eat pretty soon after I had um, sewed it up. And the reason they sew it up is for two reasons. First of all, it kind of prevents the lamb from drying out. Uh, it, it, it seals in the juices, and it, it helps to keep the lamb from drying out so that the, the, the inside of the lamb doesn't cook as... I don't know how to say this, kind of like as fast. Uh, you don't have it cooking on both sides at the same time, right? You just have the outer part roasting, and that cooks all the way into the in, inside part of the lamb. So, uh, and it seals in the juices. Incredible. It's wonderful. If you've never seen this happen, one day I hope to have a spit in my front yard, and we'll invite you to drive by. How about that? So, uh, lots of fun. And as far as uh, whether I like gas or charcoal, that's an excellent question. Matter of fact, I'm working on a blog post right now uh, to, to, to put over at catholicfoodie.com because, you know, that's the great debate, right? Great, G-R-A-T-E, the great debate. What kind of heat do you put under your grate? Lots of, uh, lots of opinions. Uh, some people just swear by charcoal. Some people swear by propane. Um, if you ask me, I, I don't, I really don't know what to say. I, I hate to say that, uh, but I don't know. Uh, there's several factors that I think we have to, to, to keep in mind when we talk about this. One would be cost, right? The cost of gas versus charcoal. Uh, one would be in a big one in my family, cause Char's big on this. One of the big ones in my family would be, uh, health, you know, how healthy, is charcoal. If you saw the video that I put up of last year's Greek Fest, which is at YouTube, uh, if you go to the Catholic Foodie uh, page on YouTube, or you can just go to catholicfoodie.com. It was, I think, the last thing I put up. Uh, if you go check that out, you're going to see as those lambs are roasting and they're they're shoveling around the uh, the charcoal, kind of position, positioning it well, as it uh, as it burns up and ashes over and you add more charcoal, you see a lot of charcoal dust or ash uh, that's in the air. And of course, it gets on the, the meat uh, 
And that's going to happen even if you're you're cooking at home on the grill and you have a charcoal grill, the drippings from the chicken or the beef or the pork or whatever you have on the grill, the, the drippings will hit that charcoal and that it, it, it disturbs the charcoal and and causes dust from the charcoal ash to go up and to get on the meat. So you are eating some residue of charcoal when you eat it. So my question is, is it harmful? What are, what are the health issues of using charcoal? I, I don't know. I have to tell you, I don't know. I have looked up a few things online and it really, you have conflicting reports. Some people say it's okay and it, it, it and that it adds good flavor. And some people say, man, that stuff, that's bad for you. you know, so well, I don't know. Well, I, I'm still looking into it. Uh, cleanup is another question. You got to think about cleanup. You got to think about the method, right? Charcoal, Chris, as you mentioned, you have to get that stuff lit, first of all. And if you use lighter fluid, you have to let the lighter fluid burn out. And that could take half an hour. You, you don't want your food to smell like lighter fluid. So you got to let all that stuff burn out, let the, the charcoal heat up, let it get to the right temperature and settle before you actually put food on the grill. Whereas with a gas grill, you have a pretty, pretty uh, precise control over the temperature and it, it takes just a couple of minutes to heat up. So all these things have to be taken into consideration. I'm working on the blog post and I hope in that post to tell you which one I really prefer. Now, I have to admit, though, I've been using propane for the last five years. Uh, that was based upon convenience and also the fact that uh, Char was kind of sick of the charcoal thing. She, she just didn't like it. So uh, convenience and I guess what you would say is health or at least a question of health. So that's where we stand today. And I hope that answers your question. And please do keep an eye over at catholicfoodie.com to find out more about the charcoal versus gas, the great debate. Now, I did receive a lot of other feedback, actually. Several several pieces of feedback I received, uh, mainly having to do with the, uh, the contest, right? We had a contest we announced last episode. We talked about the Divine Office uh, Facebook, uh, not Facebook, I'm, I'm looking at Facebook and I'm thinking that, the Divine Office iPhone app. And we had the interview with the folks who are behind that application, behind the website, behind the whole ministry, uh, promoting the Liturgy of the Hours in the Divine Office. We had those folks on the show and uh, we had some free codes to give away to receive to, to get the iPhone app from the App Store, which I think is $14.99. Excellent application. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's wonderful. I use it, and I love it. Uh, and what I'm going to do is save the feedback and save announcing the winners of the application until the end of the show. Uh, right there as we close out the show, I will play or I will, uh, I'm not going to read all the feedback. There's just so much. I don't want to, uh, I can't go through all of it, but great stuff. I'm going to tell you where you can go to find that good stuff. Uh, and, and you ought to go and read it because so many people had so many good things to say about, um, about that episode. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I also want to know the crew up there with divineoffice.org. I want them to know too, how many people have commented and, 
and thanked me for that particular episode. They're doing great work. You need to go check them out over at divineoffice.org and go take a look at the feedback that we got, the comments that uh, folks made over at catholicfoodie.com and also uh, over at sqpn.com. Just go to the Catholic Foodie page over at sqpn.com and you'll see posts there for that episode, or comments there for that, that, uh, that particular episode post. Let's see, what's up next? How about Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhard? Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ray. And, and this is, is Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhard. <laughs> this weekend, or last weekend, depending on when you listen to this, we celebrate the feasts of Corpus Christi a celebration of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This brings up a topic that studies tell us is not believed by the majority of Catholics, that of the real presence. We are eating Jesus, his body and his blood. It looks like a wafer, like wine, but it's really him. This is no metaphor this is no case of believe what you want. That is really Jesus. Something about this makes me think of my kitchen, where I was smashing strawberries and mixing shortcake biscuits just the other day. It's strawberry season here in Ohio, one of my favorite times of the year. Though the smell was delicious, the taste was divine. I ate the biscuits still warm from the oven, smothered with dripping Ohio strawberries and doused with a bit of milk. There was something so tangible about that experience, something so June and early summer and utterly delightful, I couldn't help but smile. What if I approached Mass this way? What if, when I walked up to Communion, I dug in with the vigor I showed to that bowl of freshly picked strawberries. What if I had the enthusiasm to approach the Eucharist that I do when I approach my favorite food or drink? Because when it comes down to it, the body and blood of Jesus should be my favorite food and drink. It's where I get the sustenance I need to fight the great and sometimes seemingly minor battles in my life, especially those spiritual struggles. This is easier said than done, at least for me. For one thing, the world around me doesn't exactly help and support me in my endeavor. I'm distracted at the drop of a hat by things that do seem really important. The best help I can find for this is in turning to Jesus himself. Does that sound too ideal to you? Too inaccessible? Then do what I do and turn to his mom. Brew up a cup of tea or pour a cup of coffee and ask her to help you approach her son with your arms wide open, with your face radiating joy, with the enthusiasm of a five-year-old. Thank you so much, Sarah. And uh, thank you also to Langelous. Langelous is the band. That's the, the music you hear playing. It's from them. It's an awesome Catholic, Louisiana Catholic band uh, that I think now they're actually living in Nashville. 
<laughs> I don't know how the food is over there, but uh, I know they got some barbecue, good barbecue over there in Memphis and uh, all those wonderful places over in Tennessee. Uh, but they're from Lafayette originally, so Langelous, and uh, I think you can go to Langelous.com, which is L-A-N-G-E-L-U-S, Langelous, kind of like Angelus, but it's in French, Langelous.com, and uh, check them out. They're also over on iTunes. They've got some fantastic music. I love it. Uh, you need to go check them out. We really want to thank them for allowing us to use uh, that, that song here on Catholic Foodie and Mary in the Kitchen. And that is true. Today, folks, is the Feast of Corpus Christi. Uh, unfortunately, Char could not be with me to record this episode. She she uh, is with the kids and is just wiped out, exhausted, and didn't think she would sound too well on the show today. But uh, we are saving the recap of the Greek Fest until she is back in the saddle, which hopefully will be in the next few days. Really want to get that episode up and uh, and available for you. Uh, but I, I wanted to say, just to kind of piggyback on what Sarah said, I mean, it's amazing when you think about the Eucharist. And of course, here we are, the Catholic foodie. We're all about food and faith. And I have said over and over again that the Eucharist is the preeminent. It is the the uh, source and summit of our faith, but it is the preeminent sign to us of what the Catholic foodie is all about. It, it's God himself comes to us as food. It, it, it's amazing that we receive life, we receive sustenance from God uh, when, with Jesus coming to us in the Eucharist. It is so beyond my comprehension. I think pretty much everybody's comprehension. It's a miracle, and it happens every time we go to Mass or every time Mass is celebrated, which is really around the clock, all the way around the world. It's pretty amazing. So um, thank you, Sarah, for that beautiful message. Uh, we had a, a Eucharistic procession after Mass today at our parish. Uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned this, I believe, before, but we have a very vibrant parish. Uh, close to 3,000 families registered in the parish. And it's um, we've got 60-plus altar servers, all boys, altar servers. Out of all the parishes in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, our parish has had the most vocations come out of it, which is amazing. Uh, and, and it could be in part due to the fact that they run an altar server program for boys, but it's geared toward vocations. They, they promote vocations. They, they talk to the, uh, the boys about vocations. Uh, they see it as a, a testing ground, in a sense, for um, liturgical celebration, liturgical ministry, uh, which priests, of course, live out in their daily lives, and these altar servers get to take a part in, that, uh, uh, play a part in that, and and so we have you know very vibrant in that respect. And uh, today and every year when we have uh, this particular Eucharistic procession for Corpus Christi, we had uh, flower girls, and and they have to have made their first communion, but you had uh, we had I think sixty or seventy girls in their communion dresses, all white, all beautiful, just those white, almost like wedding gowns, right? Uh, first communion gowns are dresses, and they are uh, processing in front of the Blessed Sacrament with baskets full of rose petals, and they're, they're throwing rose petals on the ground. And the priest, and we had the Knights of Columbus out there uh, as the honor guard. We had, uh, it was just a church full of people 
uh, processing there with uh, with the Blessed Sacrament. Amazing, beautiful. Uh, I've took some footage, actually, some, some video footage, and I hope to put a video up over at catholicfoodie.com in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, so you can take a look at what happened in our parish here in Covington, Louisiana, the great metropolis of Covington, Louisiana, where it's actually storming right now. It's, <laughs> it's been every afternoon, it's been rain, 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 and not just rain, but I'm talking thunderstorms, lightning, thunder, just all kind of craziness, you know. The, the kind of weather that we don't want to have right now, especially with the oil spill in the Gulf, we don't want it the wind bringing the oil in, you know, more and more uh, inland. So pray for that, please. Pray for that, please. We just heard the other day that the oil actually made it to the Gulf, the Gulf Shores uh, area, Gulf Shores and uh, Perdido Key in Pensacola, all, all over there, which uh, I don't know if you've been listening for a while, you know that uh, Charles' parents have a condo out that way. And we fortunately, very blessed, fortunately, we get to uh, go and spend some time there every year right there on the coast, right there on the beach at this condo, and uh, there's oil there now. Uh, very sad, very sad. We have no idea how this is going to impact uh, not only the economy, uh, the, the, the seafood uh, economy, the fishing economy here in Louisiana, and other, other states, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, we have no idea. Uh, but it's also going to impact tourism, and tourism is a huge, huge industry in the Gulf Coast region. So uh, this is uh, not not a good thing. So please do pray uh, for the people who live down here in the Gulf Coast. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but this is a good time for us to move on to our interview with Immaculate Ilabigisa. Uh, we are very fortunate today to have Immaculate Ilabigisa with us. Uh, Immaculate, how are you? Thank you, thank you. I am doing great. Thank you so much. Um, Immaculate, for anybody, I mean, it's probably impossible that uh, there are people out there who don't know about you and your incredible message uh, from the genocide in Rwanda. But uh, if there is, if by chance there is, would you mind telling us a little bit about who Immaculate is? Oh, oh man, I wish I could have better words to use more than, well, my name is Immaculate Libagiza, and I am a... I come from Rwanda, simple person like everybody, and uh, I lived through the genocide. This is maybe what maybe people know most about me, and uh, I have written a books about two two books about the my experience about the genocide. In 1994, I lost my parents during that time. I was hiding in the bathroom for three months with other seven women, and when we came out, everyone in our family had been killed. It was a horrible time, but I have learned so much, so much about, I mean, from that time. So it is a horrible time, but also was a time of grace for me. One of the things, uh, your book on the genocide was called Left to Tell, and in that book you had mentioned uh, the importance uh, to you of the rosary. How, how did the rosary... Um... Oh, so much, and, and that is something I wish I can tell you more yeah. Oh, it was my food. It was my refuge. It was my everything. You know, during that time, I I say the rosary. For, we didn't speak for three months. We didn't talk. We were just sitting in one place, hoping to live through the day to the next day. 
So it wasn't like there's any other things to do. And the things that went to our mind was anger, everything, and just like to wonder what's going on outside, to think of revenging and how this can happen. It was horrible. But the, the rosary became like my savior. I say the rosary, and I felt like I have gone on a journey with the Virgin Mary, with Jesus. I have gone on a journey where I was away, and I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm seeing the joy they have lived through, the, the suffering they have lived through. That, that gave me peace. That gave me peace completely. It gave me a reason to live when I was in that bathroom. It brought me back to, to the reality. It, it gave me a chance to think of forgiving when I, I realized the life Christ have done, have gone through. Because the rosary is really the summary of the New Testament. It is, it is the life from his born when Jesus came to Our Lady. And when you, you go through that, you have read the whole Bible. Right. The, the, that is the, the amazing power of the, of the rosary. And you know that the story I, I, I read left to tell and the, the, the overall message that was so powerful for me was, was the message of forgiveness. And it seems, I mean, reading your story, it, it, it's true. It, it's only through prayer that you can come to that. It's got to be just grace to be able to forgive those who have offended grace. It was prayer that allowed me, yeah. Now, uh, it was prayer, it was grace. I mean, without prayer, I could not have come to that. Because when I was not praying, everything seemed right to be angry. Somebody had done wrong to me, so the next thing to do is to be angry with them and try to hurt them as much as they hold me so they can feel what it feels like. But true prayer... I know, I remember the, the, the part that really brought me to forgive was when Christ was dying and when he forgave his killers. That was just like, oh my God, this is exactly what I was looking for. They don't know what they do. So that, it helped me a lot. And to through the rosary, to through the prayer that I go to that part. Now, uh, in addition to your book, Left to Tell, you also wrote one called Our Lady of Cabejo. And I've I've read that book as well. It's it's a life changing, life changing book. Would you mind sharing with us your connection? What is your connection with Our Lady of Cabejo? Oh, you know, oh, I wish I had a word to even express what that means to me. Our Lady came to Rwanda in 1981. I was a child, and I, it's so funny. Me and my friends were playing games, wanting to have apparitions. After I have heard about Our Lady of Fatima, and then she appeared. But the most important thing I will never forget, what, and I wish I can, I would have listened. Our lady, when she appeared, she predicted the genocide. She told us what was going to happen to us if we did not listen to God. And then that would happen, a genocide. And she said, if you follow my healings, if you follow my advice, what is coming will not happen. And truly, if we had listened, everybody in Rwanda agrees that if only we had listened to her, if the leaders have listened to her, what she was saying, let people live together, bring the refugees back inside the country, open the doors so that whoever lives outside can have the freedom to come inside the country. That was really what started the whole genocide. There was like a million people, they closed out of the country, they never let them come back inside. If they came, they put them in the prison. So Our Lady, since long time before they started to really push to come back by force, she told the leaders of the country, let people come back inside. Don't say the country is too small.
God will find a way to feed them. And then we didn't hear, we didn't listen. She told people like all of us, lay people, she said, for those who say the rosary, say it and say it from your heart for the sake of this country. We didn't really do what she said. We will say it one day, not two days, because we thought we had peace. And then what do we do to God when we think we have everything? We slap him in the face. Mm. We don't want to pray anymore. So I know if we have done what just advised us, simple, nothing big, nothing costly. Today, Rwanda would have been a beautiful country, everyone living together, and no genocide would have happened. And I remember when she said that her message is not only Rwanda, for Rwanda, not even just for Africa, but for the whole world. And that, to think that we didn't listen to Rwanda, we had to live through the consequences, and now the world had a chance to listen to her, I just can't help but I want to sh- shout to people, like, this is what our lady said. Do it. If us in Rwanda we didn't do it, at least you, you still have time. In the the book, in the book, you you spread that message, and it seems like um, it, you've kind of taken that message of Our Lady Cabejo, and it's 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 like your mission, and and that is is something that you are spreading uh, through the book, oh, and also so. <laughs> yes, and also through uh, through retreats. I believe that uh, you have a retreat that starts tomorrow, huh? Actually, yes, I have one start tomorrow in New York for two and uh, no Friday for two days, and I have another one in New Orleans in June 18 to 28. And I really can't wait for that to come because what I felt in Kibeho was beyond words. And that is what I want people to feel when they come to the retreats. It was beautiful just to see the love of a lady. I have done a few retreats, and sometimes I just like expressing her love. You just feel people are on fire. And, and you don't even know what touches them. Sometimes, you know, I remember when a guy came out of the retreat and he was crying and he told me, he said, my heart is very hard. Nobody, it's not easy for anyone to go through. But, and he told me, he said, something you said about our lady of Kibeho, and I felt like a spare person, my heart open. And I'm crying and I don't cry. And I'm feeling good. So those are the things like I just feel if I felt them, I want the world to feel them. And that's that's sort of the um, uh, the purpose of the retreats. Uh, how did the retreat start? That, that, is that something that you have recently that's, added? Yeah. I added it to, you know, I took a pilgrimage to Rwanda one day. Actually, so far, I have had so many people from New Orleans who have come to Rwanda for one of my pilgrimage. And some I took for 10 days. A group of like 20 people, this is the maximum I can take so far, like 20, 25, just so that I can be able to be able to accommodate them and, you know, give them a good good time there. They come and they become the apostles of Our Lady in America. So I took them, and somehow we, we were talking so much about about Our Lady and the little things that happened. It was like nonstop. We were walking on the road, we were talking. We, you know, I was just telling you what happened here and there, how she was, how pretty she was, the words she said, how much she loves us, how much she wants to come in our life, to, to, we can give her our worries, how, you know, all the little things have happened. And then at the end of the retreat, everyone, I mean, the 10 days, everyone was like, we need to do this in America. We need to, to have a place where we can share this love. 
we can't take it alone. So that's how we really people inspired me. The programmers who came spend day, ten days with me, they were like, we can't just go home and forget about this. Africa have to come through to America, where we have days and speak about what we experienced, when you can tell us the same stories you told us, what happened, because this is life changing. And you know, it is all about getting to know how much God loves us, getting to know how Our Lady loves us, getting to feel not just hear how it is so important. And this is really what I try to tell people about my, my miracles I think have happened to my life through the rosary. Not that I'm special. These are miracles can happen to anybody. Wow. And that, that's really the message of the, uh, of the retreats. I'm very excited to say that I will see you in New Orleans. Uh, my wife and I, we're going to be there at the retreat. Thank you. And uh, we, we saw you. I can't wait. Yeah. We were privileged to hear you speak at the uh, Catholic yeah. Charismatic Renewal uh, Conference. I think that was in March. And it was just such a, a moving message. And I, we, we just can't wait to come and to, to see you again and to really experience the, the love of Our Lady because those messages are messages of love. And whether whether you know it or not, when you enter a room, it's as if Our Lady is right there with you. So that is a very special blessing uh, for us. Now, if if any of our listeners Thank you so would like, much, and I do appreciate your comment. Yeah. If any of our listeners would like to learn more about the retreats or about Our Lady of Cabejo, where could they go online? You can so far. You can go to immaculate.com. Immaculate.com, I-M-M-A-C-U-L-E-E.com. So you, but I have a store actually, and the, the things that I have about Our Lady, the messages, I have them on 50% right now for two weeks, so people can have access to that. If you want your reading books, there's not much really out there. And that is my sorrow, that Our Lady of Kibeho, who came in Rwanda and spoke to people for hours, like there's not much about her messages. And I'm writing another book coming out on November 28 this year about Our Lady of Kibeho. I'm just hoping that so many more will come out and people will know about Our Lady of, Our, Our Lady of Kibeho. But so far on my website, you can have access to messages, CDs, and, and, and books. Well, thank you very much. I will put a link in, uh, on, on the website at catholicfoodie.com. I'll put a link there to immaculate.com. Uh, and uh, you also have a Facebook page, I believe. I know I have a Facebook. You can get it, get through that also on immaculate.com. We have an icon right on the first page. I have a, a fun Facebook, <laughs> and I have Apostles of Our Lady of Kibeho Facebook, where we discuss about Our Lady of Kibeho messages. So I go there and post when I remember a message, or I, I get it from a book in, in my native language, what Our Lady gave us, I post it there. I just want people to continue to feel that love. That is uh, that is a powerful uh, a powerful ministry, a way of reaching out and sharing that message. And I tell you, from what I have seen of the people, uh, there are people here in Louisiana that I know who have been to Rwanda with you, and it, it's like a it's like a fire. Uh, uh, people hear the messages, they they uh, and they, they catch on fire, and they want to spread that too. So that's. Um, it's an inspiration for me, and I hope that many of our, my listeners will also go to check out Immaculate.com and the Apostles of Our Lady of Cabejo on Facebook. 
Um, is there any anything else that you would like to say today, Immaculate? Um, this, this is great. It is so nice to speak to you. And, and you are right. As you say, people are on fire. You know, we are human beings. We crave for joy. We crave for happiness. And most of the time, we look for it in different places and real places. So the, when we're able to catch it, to, to, to taste it, that's when we get on fire. And truly, I remind myself, since our lady started to appear, I just remind myself about her world. Sometimes we go to places we can hear, but sometimes it can come out dry, even if it's the truth. But our lady has a ma- such a mother way. And I'm praying that it will co- this will come out this weekend. It will come out those two weeks away in New Orleans. Just not me. I, I, there's a way she says, there's a way she talks, there's a way she looks at us that I'm hoping that will come out of my words. And we just feel like this is it. This is the whole meaning of life. Loving God and with all your might. Oh, that's uh, it's just so. It's just such an inspiration to me. And I, I uh, once again, I highly encourage anybody here in Louisiana uh, that's close by. Uh, well, we've you've got New York starting tomorrow, but we also in two weeks, uh, or was it three weeks? It's uh, no two weeks, two and a half weeks. That's um, June eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth in New Orleans. Immaculate will be here to. Um, to lead a retreat about the messages of Our Lady of Cabejo. So, Immaculate, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. And uh, you and your ministry, uh, the work that you are doing, are in our prayers. Thank you so much. And thank you for spreading the world. I really appreciate this. And I can't wait to see you too. It'll it'll be good. We're so happy. We're excited. (laughs) Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This Mm -hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, I can't thank Immaculate enough for uh, for taking the time to talk to me on the phone the other day. and I look forward to seeing her in just a couple of weeks. Uh, the The retreat that she was doing in New York actually started on Friday, and that was two days ago. So I'm sure that that is, is going very well. I think it ends today. And uh, she's coming down to New Orleans uh, in just a couple of weeks. I think it's the 18th, 19th, and 20th uh, to do a retreat here. So if you are listening right now, if you are listening and you live somewhere in the Gulf, uh, the Gulf Coast region, South Louisiana, into Mississippi, uh, and, and you are within driving distance of New Orleans. Think about it. Pray about it. Come to the retreat. You can go to immaculate.com to find out more information. It's I-M-M-A-C-U-L-E-E.com, immaculate.com, uh, and, and get more information there. I think you could register right there online as well. Uh, I would love to see you there. First of all, I'd love to see you there. And secondly, I think it's going to be just an an unbelievable, as I I told Char, a life-changing experience to hear the message of Our Lady Cabejo from this remarkable woman, Immaculate Ilabigisa. So if you can join us, please do. And uh, if you're going to join us, let me know. Give me a call at 985-635-4974. Or send me an email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. 
I would love to know if you're going to be there. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, as we uh, as we close out the show now, it's time to announce the winners of the Divine Office iPhone app. Uh, and before I do that, I do want to mention two things. This is like two, almost like public, public service announcements, <laughs> I guess you'd call them. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you about a blog that I recently discovered that I think is really pretty cool. And I want to invite you to check that out. It is Joe Sales Blog. Dot blogspot.com. Joe Sales, a good Catholic man who is involved in, uh, in good Catholic ministry. He has a blog, and so it's Joe Sales, S-A-L-E-S, Joe Sales blog dot blogspot.com. Uh, go check out uh, Joe's blog over there and, uh, and let me know what you think. Let him know what you think as well. Uh, let's see. There's another service announcement I needed to make here. Is it an announcement? What is it? Not really an announcement. Uh, although I guess it sort of is. Um, I missed out on something the other day and I I was so upset when I found out that I missed out. Um, you know, there's a priest, uh, who, who really likes to cook. You may have heard of him. I believe his name is Father Leo, Father Leo Petalinghug. Uh, you may have heard of him and his ministry, Grace Before Meals. Uh, does that sound familiar to you? Well, you know, he had a throwdown with Bobby Flay several months ago. I think it was back in February, January or February, I believe. A throwdown with Bobby Flay, and he just smacked down the throwdown king, Bobby Flay. It was awesome. If you, if you didn't see that, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if there's a way to go back and see it. I don't know if they have reruns or... Or whatever, or if if they have a DVD of the of the the season, I don't know. But if you have a chance to get a DVD of the season, check that one out. I have no idea what number it is. I can't even remember when exactly it it, it was aired. But it was Father Leo versus the Throwdown King Bobby Flay, and man, Father Leo just boy, it's kind of like he did an exorcism on him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he just kicked his butt. It's unbelievable. And it was great, too. Fusion fajitas was the dish. Uh, Just sounds so awesome, right? Sounds delicious. Anyway, this is what I missed the other day. I couldn't believe it. Father Leo was over at some other people's house. These are other people you might have heard of before. Have you ever heard of Greg and Jennifer Willits? The Willitses, right? Greg and Jennifer Willits, they are on uh, Sirius Satellite Radio, and they have a show there. They, they founded the Rosary Army. They have been very much involved with SQPN for years. Uh, Father Leo was at their house, which is cool in and of itself, but on top of that, he cooked for them. Can you believe it? He cooked for them, and he cooked his fusion fajitas, and not it, it's, it gets better now. It gets better. It just keeps getting better. Uh, not only did he cook for him, but Greg, you streamed it. I, I tell you what, I'll put the link up over at catholicfoodie.com for this post 
That way you just go click on it. You can go right over there. I may even embed the video on my site. How about that? Anyway, can you imagine Father Leo is there cooking fusion fajitas, hanging out with the Willets, and and he's they're you streaming the whole thing. So cool. I can't believe I missed it. I would have loved to have been there and seen it live. But thankfully, with Ustream, they actually saved it, and we can now see it, um, you know, several days later. So uh, you may want to go check that out. Uh, Father Leo with Greg and Jennifer Willits and family. Talk about cool. So that was my second public service announcement. And now on to the winners of... The Divine Office iPhone app. First of all, I want to thank all the folks who commented on the uh, on last episode uh, on the Divine Office, and I was just really, um, I guess it, it's a trite word to use, but I was really touched by what these folks had to say regarding uh, that episode. So many people were thankful that we had it. Uh, they, they they learned a lot. They felt inspired. They felt like they could actually do this thing. The liturgy of the hours where, you know, they may have felt uh, for years a longing to do it, but always felt kind of overwhelmed by it. You know, it's just a lot. And and here we are. We have the crew, uh, Dane Faulkner and all the all the fine folks over at DivineOffice.org who, who made this uh, easy to approach, first of all, with, with different options on how you could actually participate and hear it and read it online, you know, hear the audio and pray along with people, uh, and also just the way that they talked about the Divine Office itself really was inspirational for folks, and I'm, I'm just so grateful uh, for Dane and them for, for coming on the show and talking about the Divine Office, but I'm also very grateful for those of you who actually made comments over on the post at catholicfoodie.com and at sqpn.com. Uh, Tom and Kyle and Carlos and Dan and Patty and Jarek and Diana, uh, thank you so much for uh, the comments that you made. Very happy about that. And of course, when you uh, when you made a comment, we entered you into the drawing to win one of the iPhone, the Divine Office iPhone app codes. Uh, so you get a free copy of that app. And I have drawn a couple of names here and I'm gonna call them out right now. All right, we have, first of all, Patty is a winner. Patty is a winner. And, you know, it's funny, Patty. I'm, I'm, glad, you, uh, I'm glad you won one of these, uh, these app codes. Uh, but it's funny, in your comment, you mentioned that if you want it, you were going to have to go get an iPad because you don't have one now. <laughs> so I guess you need to go, uh, you got to go shopping now. So I will send you your code in, uh, in an email. And let's see, who else do we have? Uh, Patty, by the way, commented over at sqpn.com. It was the post for the Divine Office at sqpn.com. Um, she commented over there. Let's see, the next one is Carlos. Carlos is also a winner, and he he made a comment over at uh, catholicfoodie.com. And uh, Carlos, congratulations. And I have one more here, and who is going to win this one? Let's see. Kyle. Kyle's also a winner. Congratulations, Kyle. I'll send you uh, your codes, uh, all of you. I'll send your codes to you via email. And uh, congratulations. And be sure to let me know how everything works out as far as uh, uh, getting the app and trying it out. I'd love to get your feedback on what you think of the app. 
Um, you can always give me a call at 985-635-4974 or email me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. Thanks for being here. This wraps things up for us for episode 74, and I'm, I'm very happy that you have spent this time here at the Catholic Foodie where food meets faith. And I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to the next episode, episode 75. Why? Because Charles will be here and we will get to recap our experience with the Greek Fest this year. Opa! You got to hear about it. You got to hear all the fun things that we did and the good food that we ate. And I think, I think I'll be able to talk Char into giving away her her tabbouleh recipe. And tabbouleh is not really Greek. It's uh, Lebanese, but I think I could talk her into, uh, into giving that out to you. Anyway, so stick around for episode 75 of The Catholic Foodie. I can't wait to see you. Uh, also, don't forget, the CNMC is coming up. The CNMC is August 7th this year in Boston. I hope to see you there. I certainly hope to see you there. Hey, if you're there, why don't we get together and, I don't know, eat, cook, something. It'll be fun. Anyway, I certainly hope to see you there. And until next time, bon appétit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.